All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire football podcast. Uh, Jeremy here, hanging out with Matt as always. Um, football this week, yeah, MWR.com, Matt. We have uh, some games going on, correct? Is that my understanding? Uh, as of right now, we're recording on Wednesday, December 2nd. There are still five of six games. Yeah, that's where we stand, I guess. Yeah, that, that's where <laughs> we stand right now. And that's not to say that things can't change on a dime. It seems like you know people have... You know, different outlets have different concerns about what's actually going to happen, what's actually not going to happen, things like that. So, yeah, like, you know, we're, we're just going forward as, as if we know what the situation looks like, which could change, but we're, we're doing our best. Definitely. So what we'll do, we'll start the Thursday game because the cancel game just super quick, Boise UNLV. So we'll get to that after this. We kind of get to the first game that's the most pressing and time-sensitive uh, as we go forward. So the first game, Thursday Evening, Air Force back in action, Utah State at home. Um, I hate to ask this because we should know this. Utah State or Colorado – ah, I'm looking at three different teams here. Air Force has not played because the Colorado State game got canceled last week. Yes. Wyoming game two weeks before. Army game postponed. They've played one game versus New Mexico two weeks ago. Beyond that, they haven't played since, like, uh, that Boise State beatdown. <laughs> So, so they're fresh, is what you're saying? Sure, we'll use that term. Yeah, they, they're yes, they're <laughs> fresh. They've only played a little bit. Uh, it's an evening kick, as I mentioned, up at Maverick Stadium, seven thirty local time. That's Mountain CBS Sports Network. Air Force is a eleven half point favorite, which seems um a bit low. What's your first thoughts on when that came out? That's just barely eleven points, twelve points. I mean, I think it sounds about right. I, I guess most of that probably comes down to questions about Air Force's offense, if I had to take a guess. I guess so. Because, uh, well, why? No, why would it be their offense? Their offense is doing fine. What's the problem? What are you getting at here? Okay, so <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is sort of the what I would say is probably where the game is going to hinge one way or the other because – you know, when you look at what Utah State has been able to do defending the run, you know, when you just look at their season, they're averaging over five yards per carry allowed. It's 5.15, and that's not great. But, you know, depending on what stats you give credence to, depending on what context you add to that, they actually haven't been that bad because a lot of that is inflated by the fact that they just got run over by San Diego State back in late October. Mm-hmm. You, know, you take you take that game out of the equation, and you know over the last few weeks they've been pretty solid against the run. You know it was 4.3 against Nevada, 3.2 against Fresno State, and and 4.4 against New Mexico when they finally turned the corner and scored a win last week. So yeah, I guess on its on its face, it seems like it's a kind of a I don't know if it's quite a full-on strength-on-strength matchup, but it seems like you, if you're looking for Utah State to be able to hang around in this game, they might have a chance to do that. But I think if there are some potential things that could undercut it, again, depending on what you believe, because I think right now they're third just in terms of like raw tackles for loss. You know, they've, they've racked up 36 tackles for loss from five games, which is good. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the advanced numbers it, it kind of leads you to believe that something's got to give because, you know, in terms of stuff rate, which is just percentage of plays stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage, it, it, they're 112th nationally. It's only 13.6%. You know, in terms of opportunity rate, you know, they're, it's over 50%. That's also in the triple digits nationally. And against a team like Air Force that has been basically able to run the ball at will, 
I think it just comes down to how often they can stall the Falcons on offense. You know, that makes sense. Like, simple, simple things like we see all the time. Don't give a big plays. Do the fullback dive. Like, they have guys like Nick Henniger who has seven TFLs. Or they have, like, yeah. Shaq Bond who makes plays in the uh, – they bring him up to make plays in there um, on the mm-hmm. secondary, like, as an extra linebacker. Or they have A.J. Vongapache. Von Sorry, if I could say it right. I think that's right, maybe. Vongapachan. Um, Vongapachan. There we go. Tackle machine. I need to get his name right. Like, they have guys there who can make those plays. But you're right. Something's going to have to give. And it's not the worst thing in the world because it's going to happen. Air Force will get most of the yards – and most of their carries, like yards per play, most, I won't say all, but usually they'll get a lot of big, big plays. And so the sheer number of yardage doesn't matter all that, all that much. It's how much you give up per play and how many big plays they have. And if, mm-hmm. and if Utah State can do that against this team, which they might like, they get behind the line of scrimmage. Like when you're looking at their rushing yards on defense, it's about average in the conference. But then again, they haven't played Air Force. So, it's just been okay. At five, like you mentioned, five. They have to 10 TDs, which isn't great either. But Air Force, like, look what they've been doing, like, with Roberts the past. Like, he was had three touchdowns versus getting get to Mexico, and Utah State thrashed mm. him. But, he, like, he's a guy to look out for, to can That's who the main person that Utah State needs to stop on the ground game because um, Zeke Daniels won't throw enough to make it uh, worthwhile or all that interesting. He might have a couple of those, but he's not like Tim Jackson, or excuse me, not Tim Jackson, but, um, Donald Hammond, thinking of um, some other QB years ago. But point being, it's going to be the run game like always. The passing game, it'll happen, but there's no Air Force receiver that stepped up like they've had the past couple of years of getting 20 yards a catch. So mm-hmm. they can let him throw and go 4 of 11 and not worry about it. It's can they force fumbles? Because remember, when Air Force played New Mexico, three, they had three straight turnovers on fumbles. So if Utah State can be opportunistic doing that, that's a way. That's another way. Instead of okay, they don't get a big play, they control the Air Force offense a little bit, but they can get the backfield and make those plays happen. Even if it's a not even a recovered turnover, but if they fumble and instead of being second and five, it's um, second and thirteen or something like that, or second and five and goes to third and ten. That stuff that's um, they want. They should probably want to try to do. Obviously, it's like it's simple. Now, yeah, just make them lose negative yards. What's the problem? But that type of thing, losing the fumbles, is a concern for Air Force. And if Utah State can have them struggle with ball control that's something that'll just get them off their game because again it's a timing offense for air force the pitch the dive the uh qb option all that type of stuff you got to be uh precise yeah and i mean with that in mind you know obviously new mexico is just the most recent example of where air force has really been able to assert its will without necessarily doing anything fancy they also did it in the opener against navy as well and so there's going to be a lot of pressure on those interior linemen. And one of the things that could be a big factor in this game is whether or not they get Marlon Moore back in the middle because he got nicked up, I think, later in, in, the, in the game against New Mexico last week. You know, if he's not there, then all of a sudden they're turning to, you know, a, a trio of, of sophomores and freshmen, guys like James Hansen, Hale Motu Apu-Aka. I had to slow down to make sure I got that right. Um <laughs> <laughs> and Izzy Vaifo'ou, I hope I pronounced that right. I apologize if anybody's <laughs> listening and, and I'm butchering it. But, you know, Marcus Moore is one of those guys where he hasn't necessarily lit up the stat sheet per se, but he's definitely been that kind of linchpin when it comes to those situations where Utah State has had you know success defending the run. And if Air Force is going to try, try and assert itself, 
you know, we don't know what the tailback situation is going to look like. I don't think Caden Remsburg is available. He's on the depth chart, but he's listed third behind Josh Stoner and Jordan Guidry. So don't believe it. You know, if it's <laughs> so, if it's Roberts, if it's Hazik Daniels doing most of the heavy lifting, and then you know Warren Bryan and Matthew Merla behind them, then it's going to be really incumbent on those guys in the middle to be able to step up and make plays. And you know, that's where a guy like Moore can make a big impact. That's where a guy like Vong Puchan as inside linebacker can make an impact. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. I think the, just the key is how disruptive can Utah State be, and if they can't. How much can they limit the damage? Yeah, really quick on Remsburg, it was a collarbone chest injury. And all it mentions is that there's a chance he could play. As you mentioned, he's on the depth chart. All practice have been closed, and there's no discussion of injuries or COVID per usual and all that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. I guess if it's if he's on the depth chart, possibility. But um, also should be no – Tim Jackson also missed a pass two games. He's on there as well. So mm-hmm. there's a um, – we'll see. That's all we can say, right? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's um, tough to say, but um, oh, one thing they do mention over the the Gazette is that the uh, tight end uh, Kyle Patterson would not have been available oh, last week. Never mind. I thought I said this week. I should read ahead sometimes. I'm looking through my notes here. But <laughs> I, to be honest, it doesn't matter who's running back there. I guess you have more depth. You have more options. But that's the only thing, good, not good thing, but that's the one thing to take away from it. It'll Yards are there. Like if all these guys are available, like Jackson, Remsburg, and Roberts, even in like that's a boon for them for Air Force to be able to okay let's say Roberts for some reason struggles a little bit well we got these other two guys that are really good as well and so mm-hmm. that's fairly obvious to healthy you are the better you are but did you know I'm gonna switch sides of the ball Matt did you realize how above average I'll say the Air Force rush defense is they're actually pretty good so. well I mean they're three yards of carry three and a half only three touchdowns in four games. And so, and they've returned basically nobody, which that's the reason I bring, bring it up. I'm not saying they're great, but we know Jalen Warren's in the portal now. So the running mm-hmm. game is Dante Henry Cole, who's whatever. You know what I mean? He's not amazing at the moment. And with that rush defense being better than we thought, having Cole, Henry Cole, who hasn't been either hasn't gotten the carries nor the really big production wise, because overall Utah State hasn't been great doing much of anything, that's something mm-hmm. where what is Utah State going to do? They're going to run. Try, they're going to try to run. They're going to play their offense. Like Andrew Peasley is their bright spot in offense at QB. He can scramble. He seems to throw pretty well again versus New Mexico. But that's an area where Cole last week had 10 for 53 versus um, New Mexico, which is pretty good for yards per play. But this Air Force defense, which has vastly overachieved with all the turnbacks, all the players not just graduating in general, that's a spot where Utah State will try to run. But it's not a given. Like how they had Warren, okay, I'd probably lean a bit more for Aggies having a chance. But – it's just a good, another good thing for Air Force in this game if they're going to win. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because this is almost the same kind of conversation we just had a minute ago about Utah State's rush defense where, you know, depending on how you examine the numbers, it's another kind of – it goes back to that same question of what do you believe? Because, like you mentioned, on the season it's right, right at three and a half yards per carry, which is good. But, again, that is also skewed a little bit but in terms of – you know, they really shut down three of their four opponents. The one opponent they didn't was Boise State. And so I think the big question for Utah State is, are they going to be closer to the Broncos or are they going to be closer to, like, the Lobos and the Spartans? And, you know, even without Warren, I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm interested to see how this new committee of youngsters really steps up to kind of take a step because I don't think they're going to try and make Henry Cole into a bell cow back, per se. 
And so I think that's just going to mean more opportunities for the trio behind Henry Cole of Pilate Makakona, Elelion Noah, John Gentry. Because I think all three of those guys have a chance to, to make an impact. So I'm wondering, you know, who's going to be first on the field? And then maybe more interestingly, who's going to be second? You know, is it going to be a bigger kind of back like Noah or Makakona? Are they going to try and, you know, you know beat Air Force's kind of inexperience in the front seven with speed with a guy like Gentry? I, I don't necessarily know, but, you know, when you look at the advanced numbers again with regards to the Air Force defense, similar kind of like conflicting numbers where, yeah, they've had a lot of success on a per-play basis, but like the Aggies, they've actually been worse with regards to stuff rate. They're 125th nationally, and granted, it's only been four games, but their stuff rate is under 10%, and their opportunity rate, like the Aggies, is you know also above 50%. And so I think there's opportunities there for the Aggies to hang around if they want to try and make a low-scoring game. I think the trick is just going to be you know, who's going to win up front. I think it's probably reasonable to say that Air Force has an advantage just because, you know, for all the, the missed time, for all the inconsistencies as first turnovers or whatever, their, their offensive line is perfectly intact by this point. You know, they had all five guys back for the game against the Lobos last week, and they basically didn't have any problem moving the ball. Um, it mostly came down to just holding onto it for a stretch. And so... You know, Utah State sort of has that going for them. Like, I think they finally settled down into the lineup that they want. You know, they've had a, a freshman you know, starting at center, and I think, you know, maybe moving Dominic Galifua from center to guard has kind of helped make up that difference a little. Or Dimitri Galifua, excuse me, um, has, has helped kind of make up for that. But, I, you know, I guess we'll see. I think there's opportunities for both teams. It's just a matter of which one's going to take advantage of more of them. I don't know if this is a good number or a bad number or just indifferent. The longest rush play Air Force has given up all year is only 20 yards. I think Interesting. That seems, that seems pretty good, right? It does. Like, that's their, long, their longest run. So I was, like, looking at kind of, like, their first down, third down, long run. So it's like because uh, we've seen Peasley run off big runs. We've seen when Warren was there, the offensive line make big, massive holes for big runs. So mm-hmm. that could be just something interesting to watch. For. I was like, poking around while you're talking, like, their first down running plays um, – Third and short, third and medium, all that type of stuff. It's uh, yeah, just a one. Yeah, and it yards. may also be that they they choose to just let Andrew Peasley, you know, have some designed runs in the same way that they did last week. Maybe they just roll him out, maybe provide him with some opportunities to bootleg or something like that. Um, I don't think they necessarily need explosive plays to be able to move the ball against the Falcons. Of course, it wouldn't hurt. Yeah, but I think that there's like I said, I think there's opportunities for them to stay in this game to limit possessions and really leave it up to the defenses to determine which one is going to come out on top. Yeah, I just happen to see that. It's interesting. But I think they should make allow Peasley to run because you lost Warren and he was your big back. They maybe made some adjustments this week because if we recall, I think it was late in the week when he was no longer on the team. So there's mm-hmm. that where it's like, okay, let's um, rely on everybody. So I'm not sure they'll tighten it up, but I'm betting there'll be more running plays from backs. But Peasley, again, yes, he had the 162-yarder, but he still had about 50-something yards on 10, 10 carries last week outside of that big, long run. And that was kind of a broken play a little bit for him getting in the backfield, spinning around, finding a hole to go. But they should, like, here's the thing, Utah State has one win. They're going to do whatever they can. And we haven't talked about Peasley passing where he was 239 yards and, what, 68% completion rate, I believe, if my math is right. Mm-hmm. And he 
threw it to eight guys, even got Savon Scarborough's first touchdown. So while I think if they're going to win, it clearly their defense has to not allow all the big plays near force to control the clock and just eat it. But I think if Peasley can throw pretty well, and he's already proven to throw it to multiple guys, he's not focused on like one guy, Derek Ryder, or Justin McGriff, he's throwing to everybody on the team, even a couple guys out of the backfield, they had at least uh, two uh, running back receptions. Throwing it around will help as well, just so it takes the pressure off everything else. But I think he's good enough to throw, as we've seen. Again, at Slobos, they're not great. Sorry, we know they're not amazing. But he, he builds a confidence going through his week two of being a starter. Well, and, and to that point, you know, the Falcons' past defense has had a huge split through four games in terms of the games that they've won against Navy and New Mexico and in the two games that they lost against San Jose State in Boise State. What do the Broncos and Spartans have in common? Throwing quarterbacks? quarterbacks? Really, really good really quarterbacks. Really good throwing quarterbacks. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and I'm talking like huge splits. Like, you know, they gave up a nearly 80% completion rate against the Broncos and the Spartans, you know, over 10 yards an attempt. And I'm not saying that Peasley has to be at that level. But again, I think there's a chance for him to be if he can have the same kind of success that he did last week. And, and that's a credit to the offensive coordinator, Bodie Reeder, he put Beasley in a success or in an in a position to be successful by kind of taking a little bit off of his plate, forcing him to use you know only half the field rather than having to read the full field all the time. And if they do more of that, and Air Force can't stop it, that's something else that could potentially work in their favor. But we'll just have to wait and see. Am I reading this right? Like this, I'm wondering if this is correct here because I'm looking at. Uh... ESPN box score from – oh, I'm looking at the wrong game. Never mind. I'm looking at something else. I had to look at New Mexico. I'm like, wait, that was a while back. They played something. Never mind. The pass defense. But, um, yeah, you're right on there. It's like I think the comfort level is a big deal for Peasley again, and they're playing a better team, so it'll be more of a challenge. But I'm just yeah, – you're right. Like that 75%, 85% Boise State. Like they're going to have eight yards to play. And – is a big difference between like even San Jose State to Boise was a big difference in uh, just production, but what are mm-hmm. the advanced numbers saying this game? Because again, it's eleven and a half point favorite for the Falcons on the road. Yeah, and you know SP Plus does favor Air Force. They favor the Falcons by eight point two. That's a sixty eight percent win probability. Uh, as of right now, though, like last week, uh, FEI does not have any game projections for Week fourteen, but. If you want to see that for yourself, just go to bcftoys.com sometime later in the week, and they should have that. They should have it. So what's your pick? So I like Utah's chances to hang around, Utah State rather. I do think the Falcons should be able to keep them at arm's length. It strikes me as the kind of game that's going to go back and forth and be relatively low scoring. So I would definitely be comfortable taking the Aggies to cover. But I think the Falcons are going to win, I'm going to say 21-17. to 17. Yeah, I think um, I think Utah State's looked improved. Again, it's hard to tell since I'm doing this to Mexico, but I think that amounts a bit too much. Like the over under fifty one, but I think you're right. I think it'll be like about a two touchdown game where Utah State won't be embarrassed by any stretch. I don't think, but I think it might be more like uh, tw- like twenty eight twenty. I think somewhere in that range. Twenty yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go twenty eight twenty. Why not? Fairly close, but Air Force will be up just enough to. Uh, those couple of field goals will what do, what we'll do in Utah State for that game and the loss. So, all right then. Next game is not happening, but we're going to talk about it for a moment. Boise State at UNLV at Allegiant Stadium was called off earlier this evening on uh, Wednesday night. 
um, I did not have it directly in front of me. I meant to have the exact statement, but it was not a, it, the statement didn't say where, hey, COVID concerns on Boise State or UNLV. It was more vague of like, it seemed almost like a preventative measure. Is that how you read it, kind of? It did. And just if you didn't see the original tweet, I'll just read it for, for everybody real quick. So first of all, it said statement from UNLV, Boise State, and the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. That's interesting in and of itself. Based on guidance from medical personnel and epidemiologists, Friday's game has been canceled and will not be rescheduled. Both medical teams have been in communication in order to understand the full picture of COVID issues in our region. So what's our region? Because the Mountain West region? Because it's Vegas, Boise, and the entire Mountain West. Like what region? The game's in Las Vegas. So is it Las Vegas? I I have no idea. I think that's kind of the rub right there. It's like, how do you interpret what they mean when they say our region? Is it the West? Is it Nevada? Is it yeah. the, Idaho? Is, it, is it Southern Nevada? Yeah. Or is it, you know, gestures to everything? <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, I don't know. Um, I could gesture to everything and be correct. Um, what, here's what we can deduce a little bit. Um, Boise didn't play last week because, again, we discussed this on our prior podcast and people are freaking out and complaining. They only had nine co- people out due to COVID, but that wasn't an issue. It's any reason to have players out, and they have so many injuries on the defensive front. And I'm assuming the, the enough of those COVID cases or contact tracing were on that same unit, so they yeah. didn't play. It's like, it sucks. We talked about it. It's available scholarship athletes. It doesn't say why. It's not COVID-specific, or it's available scholarship athletes, and they had a couple guys out for the year. And that that's what happened. So this, mm-hmm. I don't know because other people out there are like, well, what's going on? Let's get more clarification. Like, because what's the weird thing is there's a game in Las Vegas as well at Sam Boyd, which we'll get to New Mexico and Wyoming as of right now, perfectly fine to play. Mm-hmm. So there's speak like, I, I, I'm I lost for words because I've been thinking about this past hour. Or so when I, when I saw it, we've been chatting our DMs like, well, what does this mean? Like the full picture of, COVID issue is it? I think it might be a preventative issue, where if it, that's the case, then why are we playing? As we mentioned before, why are we doing this at all if it's a preventative thing? Like, mm-hmm. what's the point? Because we know there's issues in New Mexico and Boise State, Boise State basketball is not going to play. But that's more of the New Mexico side. CSU is not playing basketball right now. There's a million things you can find. Games postponed. Air Force women's basketball is getting pushed around for certain games and others as well. I'm assuming I'm probably missing a million of them. You know what I mean? Like, but. Mm-hmm. It's just not clear because normally we say due to COVID issues from Boise State's program or from Program X. I, what medical per- per- personnel are they and who are they speaking with? Like not like I'm, I think it doesn't get played if they're erring on side of caution. Fine, I don't care. That's the right decision in every case. But this is this leaves up a million scenarios to be extremely vague to not play a football game. Yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's just uh, give us some clarification, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think? What What's your, like, best assumption of uh, pretending to be a doctor here? Oh, man, that's a, <laughs> some, those are some heady shoes to kind of fill in. I think, I think they're trying to pave the way for more cancellations, honestly. But I think what undercuts them, and, and we'll talk more about some of the other games in a, in a little bit, is... Over the last couple of days, it seems like there's been a little bit of mixed messaging in that regard, where 
you know, we, we talked about a little bit on the, on the recap podcast last week about San Jose state and, you know, Santa Clara County's current COVID protocols, you know, forbidding contact sports. So we learned over the last few days that rather than the game being in San Jose, they're moving it to Honolulu. They're going to play at Aloha stadium. That seems to be squared away. They're playing on Saturday afternoon, Mm -hmm. but then you have this. And then you yeah. have the the what is it Wyoming and New Mexico in Las Vegas, which we know right now is still supposed to happen on Saturday. As of Wednesday evening. So, so I have no idea like what the common thread is between those three pieces of information. It has to be a program thing, right? Or I mean, I would or, guess or, I would or, guess so because they because they're making these decisions. I would assume rooted. I mean, they should be making these decisions rooted almost entirely just in terms of player health concerns. Mm-hmm. I think it's really all it comes down to. And so, even if you know Brian Harson or whomever isn't going to come out and have another press conference for another few days, saying that they're still struggling with you know injuries and stuff like that, and, and I don't if they're still in a situation, for instance, where their handful of defensive linemen would have to be out there for more plays than they are comfortable with, then it's then it's still understandable, the same as it was on Sunday when he originally came out with that. So I, I just don't I, know I how it. you really square all the different pieces. I have it. What 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 will happen Wednesday afternoon on NBC today? What was going on? Are you talking about BYU? No, no, no. Just on NBC. What was being aired around 2 p.m. Pacific time? Oh, you're talking about the Ravens and the Steelers. NFL. Where do the, where do the Rebels play football? Allegiant Stadium. Two yeah. Mandatory two-day shutdown of every NFL facility earlier this week. Okay. I'm wondering if this could be in conjunction with the Raiders possibility and the facilities UNLV uses. Like that possibly that could make sense because every facility Monday and Tuesday could not do anything. And so I'm wondering I hadn't seen anybody mention that, but I'm wondering if maybe that has that's part of it. Yeah, because I'm just on Las Vegas Sun. I'm like title here. Nothing not it's nothing related to me kind of deducing. Raiders hope to return to practice, refocus after two day COVID shutdown. It wasn't just for them, but the whole NFL, they're tightening things up. It had Monday and Tuesday. Nobody can go to the facility because the Ravens, Steelers, all sorts of other stuff going on. That was supposed to be Thanksgiving game played Wednesday, a week later almost. I honestly <laughs> think that might be the case because the wording is so different and weird from what we've seen or heard. I think that actually might be the reason why. But the Raiders don't want to get involved. Could be. I that's 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 my only guess that could I could be completely wrong, but I don't think it's not wrong completely. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but the game's not till Saturday or Friday. So I, that's just a guess, but I wouldn't like from way it's worded, anything's on the table. It seems like, like who, <laughs> what epidemiologists and doctors are speaking with doesn't say who it just says we're discussing. So regardless, game won't be paid, played, won't be made up. Maybe we'll get some more clarification, but I just thought the NFL thing. Cause remember Lobos were at Sam Boyd, this game's at Allegiant. So, so before before we move on to the next game, can we just clear something up for for Boise State fans in particular? Because it's, it, I'm not no no this, not this is not like a, this is not meant to be a slammer. No no like it, it's it not. Seemed, the, it seemed like there was some confusion about whether the Broncos were still eligible to oh, be in the Mountain West Championship. I thought you meant they're scared of the Rebels. <laughs> no no <laughs> nothing like that. No um 
but just to clarify, if you didn't listen to the the last little bit of our recap podcast, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the championship tiebreakers, what the situation actually looks like right now. So with regard to the Broncos in particular, just keep in mind that the average number of games that Mountain West teams have played at this point is still right around six. It's like it was 6.33. I think it's probably like 6.1 or something like that, 6.1 something. So long story short, the average is six. In order to be eligible, teams needed to have played at least two fewer than the average. So basically, they needed to have played at least four games. So the Broncos at 4-0 are still eligible. So just keep that in mind. Okay. All right. I thought you were going somewhere else. But all right, let's move on. Next no. game. No. <laughs> I, I don't need that in my life. I got We got somebody else to handle that. <laughs> yeah. Saturday, we have one, two, three, four games. First game of the day, San Jose State at Hawaii. Again, we mentioned it got moved to Aloha Stadium due to uh, Santa Clara County. They can't do any contact sports till Dece- through December 21st. And it's also an afternoon kick, so it's two Mountain, one Pacific. Oh, no, that's not correct. Sorry. This is ESPN's incorrect. Isn't it 1 p.m. Hawaii, Hawaiian time? I believe so, Okay, yes. and this is incorrect here. This has the old timeline here. But it's going to be on um, Team One Sports app, which is already scheduled to be the case, so it's not like a switcheroo to get trucks and TV stuff to, to Honolulu for CBS Sports or FS1. But mm-hmm. so get the app. Some people on Twitter, hey, it's not showing up yet. It usually shows up the day before. The line has been fluctuated. As of right now, it's even. I had it earlier today. It was minus one for Hawaii. Yeah, I was looking at Vegas Insider, and I don't think they've adjusted it there because I know that when they get originally in San Jose, I believe it had opened at seven and had been San Jose minus six before that. Okay, hold or, on. Before, before they made before they made the location change. Before we move forward, I see a statement on Twitter from KTVB Sports Guy from Boise State Interim Director of Athletics Bob Carney. I'm reading this as a live podcast, which I could totally edit out, but I'm not. Um, all it oh man, this is ridiculous. All it says, based on recommendations from medical personnel, <laughs> determined the game would not take place. Oh, geez, why? Okay, why do you tweet that statement out when it's basically what was already said? Oh, geez. Let's continue with the game we're talking about. I'm going to close Twitter at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> I just saw oh, AD says something. There's clarification. No, nothing. But what about this game? So it was about touchdown favorites uh, from approximately from what we've seen. Like, is this an even game? Because of obviously location plays a difference. I don't even know if San Jose State's been able to practice this week because they can't practice on campus. If I remember correctly, I thought I saw something that said they. They had been able to secure a practice field at a high school field outside of Santa Clara County. Good for them. I believe so. It was either them or Stanford. I honestly can't remember. It was a couple days ago. But is it worth like a seven-point swing? Maybe. Is it because I mean, home field, home field is usually worth three, correct? Yeah, about approximately, yeah, but nobody's showing up. I'm, I'm, you can't see it. I'm shrugging my shoulders. Okay, I have no idea. Sense. But like, is it, I think partially they beat Nevada last week, and that has something to do with it. Nevada was considered the best team in the conference, and Hawaii basically shut them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting to think about this game in terms of how Hawaii approached their win over the Wolfpack, because you know, on its face, it's really tempting to say. You know what's going to stop them from just doing trying to do the same thing that they did to beat Nevada, but I think there's a few differences that could make it more viable, and some that might make it less viable. 
you know, in, in, in my mind, you know, I look at it and think, well, San Jose State's still not great at running the football. And so, True. you know, I look yeah. at, I look at what, you know, Devontae Lee and Totala did last week on the islands. And I think, you know, as Kyrie Robinson, as Tyler Nevins, whoever else ends up you know, in the football, are they going to be able to have that same level of success on the ground? No, because I, I'm I not, so. I'm not totally sure. More success, maybe as much. No. And, and also, you know, I, I don't think we mentioned it particularly, but, you know, Pro Football Focus put an article not too long ago that ranked all of the, the FBS quarterbacks. And one thing that they talked about with Nick Starkle in particular is that in contrast to Carson Strong, where Starkle has really thrived this year is in quick passing. You know, I think they had said he's had, like, I think the third most quick pass attempts of anybody in the country, which is almost the direct opposite of how Nevada has really made its bread and butter, where you know, they want to be able to take shots down the field and get the ball to Romeo Daubs. They weren't last week, and and that was in part what really caught up with them. That's not necessarily the case for, for, for Starkle, for Trey Walker, for Bailey Gaither. You know, those guys are built to run after the catch. True, and not so, just a deep threat guy. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I think that Walker can be a big threat guy, but the way that their offense has thrived this year, they haven't really needed him to do that because they've done so well, which is getting the ball out quickly. And against a Hawaii front that, as we talked about last week, and you know, they held up reasonably well uh, as far as kind of limiting big plays, but they also didn't force Carson Strong into mistakes either. You know, he didn't have any interceptions. Mm-hmm. They only sacked him once. And so, you know, I look at the matchup against the Hawaii, between the Hawaii front and the San Jose State offensive line, you know, you're still talking about, you know, one of the best pass-blocking offensive lines in the country. You know, a part of that is a credit to Starkle, but as a unit, you know, they're still only allowing a 1.5% sack rate, and you have to give at least a little bit of credit to the line for that. And so, like, if Starkle is able to get the ball out quickly, continually, you know, is our Hawaii's corners going to be able to be in a position to to limit the damage when it comes to, to you know, if San Jose State's going to be able to get their receivers in space, give Walker and Gaither and Isaiah Hamilton opportunities to run after the catch, how much are they going to limit that damage? I don't know. Do you think Hawaii's going to do the same scheme they did last week? Because... That's, I mean, that's that's a question. That's like, if they drop eight, I don't think San Jose State's going to mind that because they'll be like, Gaither okay, you, you, if you want to give us space, we'll just we'll trust our guys to be able to pick up, if not, like, ten yards after the catch. You know, they could pretty easily get five yards after the catch if they're going to give them cushion and, you know, try and load up the, or clog up the passing lanes down the field. They don't necessarily need to to hit those, you know, hit, hit hit a seam route or anything like that in order to have success. You know, you see whip routes, you see slants, you know, you see those kind of you know, wide receiver screens where you know they get the ball, they get block, and they're they're off to the races for 15, 20 yards. Yeah, and I think uh, San Jose State's offense is a bit more creative than Nevada as well. And that could be part. That could be part of it too, where they can get even if say Hawaii does something similar, whether seven or eight drop back, even they tweak it a little bit. Nevada, I don't want to say they just chuck it deep and go for it, but we see San Jose State they would do a few more things. Like they'll bring in Nick Nash, you know what I mean? Like they could bring him in to run the mm-hmm. ball and do a few things on a couple of carries just to uh, mix it up and not do the uh, just make things different and a different look for Hawaii. 
And so I think yeah. that is a, that's something to look forward to. The, and I think the running game will be better. They don't have running backs as good as Nevada, but Hawaii may be sensing that. I don't know. It's like you drop eight and they have two good, they have two good backs from Nevada. Like they can drop nine because they don't care about San Jose's running game. I don't think they're going to go that far, but there are ways to exploit this because they've seen it on film. So, mm-hmm. And the receiving group between San Jose State and Nevada are fairly comparable in production. It's just, like you mentioned, different production. How they get the ball. Like they could throw a Trey Walker across the middle, Bailey Gaither. They could throw a tight end. They can Nick Nash come in and or bring in Nash and Starkle for a play and do some some type of trick play, maybe once or twice a game. They Nevada did well. You mentioned Carson Strong. What was he? Twenty one to twenty five. Didn't mm-hmm. go downfield, but San Jose State. I think they would be perfectly fine throwing short passes because Nevada. Not that they're built on the deep ball, but like we mentioned. Romeo Dubs has what five? Was it five fifty-yard catches already? Seven, something like that. Quite a bit. Like they yeah, don't seven. They don't. Okay, undershot. Sorry, I thought five would have been just about right. But like they don't have to get that over-the-top shot. They'll be mm-hmm. fine going five yards here, eight yards here, and make Hawaii adjust to them. Because like I mentioned, Nevada didn't adjust well enough, in my opinion, last week for what Hawaii was showing them. Um, maybe San Jose State will do that, and they just do different routes and different types of ways to th- do things. So. But let's go to the Hawaii's offense. Like they still don't have a running back, Matt. <laughs> Is it the season's basically over? They have nobody. Miles Reed's not doing much for them. Miles Reed hasn't, but Calvin Turner's been kind of that Swiss Army knife yeah. for them. He is awesome. What and a- you know, when you look at when you look at actually who's started games for the Warriors, it's actually been Turner who's started the last three as kind of that. They have listed him as, a, I believe, an H. I don't know if that means H back or what, but you know he's definitely taken on that role where you know even if Reed is the the incumbent kind of running back starter, Turner's taken more of the load just in terms of a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Which you know it wasn't necessarily what we foresaw from this offense, but it's definitely worked for them. Yeah, like he's gotten the ball a million different ways. Like he, like did they just discover him week five? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, they've been bringing – I mean, he's definitely taken on a larger role. But, you know, when you think about Hawaii's offense versus San Jose State's defense, the other big thing to keep in mind in this game is that I think San Jose State's defensive front is much better equipped, much more balanced in their their, perhaps their potential to slow down Siobhan Cordero because, you know, just in terms of looking at the numbers this year – in terms of like sack rate, the Spartans are still one of the best in the country, even without having played last week. You know, we talked about it. I think before the the, the game against Boise State got canceled, but you know they're still ninth in the country with a 10.6% sack rate. You know, and it's not just one guy doing it. You know, both of their defensive ends, Kate Hall and Viliami Fahoko, have really been big playmakers for them. And you know, Nevada, of course, had Dom Peterson, and when they lost him in the second half, mm-hmm. it seemed like they weren't really able to get much pressure on Cordero at all. And so I just think, you know, that's another one of those elements that's different in this game than it was in their game against Nevada last week. I don't think they're going to be able to do quite the same thing. It could be that they fall into the same kind of thing where they fell behind early against San Diego State just because they couldn't stop the front. You know, Cam Thomas and, and Kashawn Banks and company up probably ate this Hawaii offensive line alive. And that's something that could very easily happen again if Hawaii's not on their game. You know, especially if, if they get them into more obvious passing situations, you know, 
they've been good about you know creating running lanes. They've been good about you know letting Cordero, um, you know, pick up a lot of the running slack that, that that Reed hasn't been able to find. But you know their own sack rate allowed is almost in the triple digits. You know it's 8.1 percent, and so I think that's one of those things where if if Hall or Fajoko or any even any of the linebackers if they choose to put pressure you know with blitzes or whatever if they can get home it may only take a handful of plays where either they force an incompletion they bring him down for a sack or, or something like that that can really change the tenor of the game in the Spartans favor it totally could um one thing to consider as well when we were watching or painted Josie Du Boise Hawaii like look at the spurts they went through like all the points like I don't want to say I don't think San Jose, San Jose State's defense is um bad like whatever compared to the boys State defense a little bit different they're both okay but like why can't like, there's a reason to over under set at sixty points Matt you know what I mean mm-hmm. like there's a way Hawaii could score like even without a great running game but Turner's good if they can mix him region Cordero it's great but that's one thing where San Jose State can't like they can play if it's a shootout but it would make a fun game but like Hawaii. Like if they get up to a seventeen to three lead for some reason, I don't know if they will. But that's something Spartans defense needs to. They haven't been like challenged or being. Have, I I spewing this off. Maybe I'm not speaking correctly, but they haven't been in the game where they've been down and had to come back. San Jose State, I'm speaking. Like every game, UNLV was fairly close. They were San Diego State. They were never really trailing. That game was twenty eight seventeen. They were down what three zero in that game. They've never really trailed in a game. So we don't know if that happens. Like, this is going to be the best offense they faced all year. Like, we didn't get to see them play Boise State, and they don't they don't play Nevada till later. They didn't play the Fresno game. So this could be something to really test them, not not, not just toe-to-toe, but, like, if the whatever happens, they don't score points here or there, and they're down 10 to 17 points. Can they recover? I would hope they can to make it a good game, but I, that's the one thing that would be – selfishly be interesting and fun to watch so they can recover being down two touchdowns in a game. So just in, in looking at their splits, you know, to that point, I, I figured it's worth noting because they haven't been down often, mm-hmm. but that's not to say that they've never been down when they have, you know, between Starkle and Nash, they've actually performed pretty well. You know, in, in any situation where they've been behind, you know, the two are, com- are combined 18 of 26 with about 216 yards and three touchdowns and an interception. So I think, you know, if Hawaii is able to kind of, you know, push their agenda early, get a lead, force the Spartans to play from behind, you know, I think that I would be more comfortable with saying that I'm more confident in their ability to come back. And even if it's even if it's like a two-touchdown deficit, I would say that San Jose State is probably better equipped to, to come back than Nevada was. Yeah, it's just a thought. They've never been trailing. That's all my point being. Like they never, they to be honest, they haven't really been challenged that in that way. Mm-hmm. Like they've been close games. Like Air Force was seventeen to six. UNLV had they got that pick six could have made things very interesting. They cruised past New Mexico and San Diego State was a hard fought win, but they were only down three to zero. Like they were never mm-hmm. down like ten to seven, three to zero. That's it. So yeah. it's just something to look out for. So what does the advanced number say for this one? Okay, so uh, SP Plus does favor... I'm trying to... Sorry, I had the wrong image open. Nope. Uh, where Where is this one? Oh, here it is. Okay, so it, it, SP Plus favors the Spartans by 4.5. That's a 60% win probability. Is this adjusted, do you know, for road already or no? 
Uh, I would assume so. I would hope so, right? I would think so, yeah. Because according to Bill C, it does say San Jose State minus six. Okay. So who you got? Who do I got? Um, dude, I'm rolling with the Spartans. Come on. I'm okay. Joining, I'm joining the bandwagon officially now. Um, I think this game will blow past the over-under 60. Because last week, what was it, 40 to 32 between Boise and, and um, Hawaii? So I'm mm-hmm. thinking... Oh, geez, trying to get points real quick. I'll go 42-32 San Jose State. Interesting. Lots of points. Interestingly, did you realize that Hawaii's gone under in four of six games? No, I did not know that, but uh, no, I did not. That's okay. I'm fine with my pick still. I'm confident. <laughs> I mean, I think that... Not I last week it was in the under for sure. I know that. It was not the case. <laughs> I think that the Spartans' defense is going to be the major factor in this game. More than I Hawaii think... secondary, we haven't even touched on. That'll be something interesting too. Yeah, I mean, I think you're. I don't think you're wrong about that. But I think you know, if especially if they can get Hawaii to a position where they have to rally early, basically if they could do what San Diego State does or did to them a couple weeks ago, which I think they can, they can really put the pressure on Cordero to try and have to do everything, which. He's been very up and down in that regard week by week. And so I would say, you know, I would lay the six points definitely. I would take San Jose State to win. I'm going to say 28 to 20. Ooh, low scoring game. Yeah, I think it'll be a little lower scoring because I think the defense will step up and do its job. Yeah, I can see that. I just like points. So, because I'm an offensive guy, right? You know how that is. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right, next game four o'clock Pacific. Not a night game, but also the home of, of San Diego State football, CBS Sports Network, hosting Colorado State. Aztecs are only, and I stress only, an eight-point favorite. Only. Yeah, <laughs> I said only um, because <laughs> Lucas Johnson should be back healthy. Greg Bell is supposed to be back healthy. If if we see, like, it, I, this is probably hyperbole, but if we see the first half what they did versus Nevada, they should steamroll the Rams. Because that, that team was – Arguably the best in the conference we've seen of any half of football has to be one of the top two teams easily. <clears throat> and it's also assuming if they're healthy, that's a problem. We don't like Brady Hoke said, well, they should be back to be more healthy because Greg Bell didn't play or Lucas Johnson didn't play versus Colorado defense hung in as much as they can. But the offense was just inept with Carson Baker. And I forget the other guy who played quarterback a little bit, but some no name. Thank you. Sorry to say no name guy, but you get my point. Like, if those guys are back and they can play healthy, like, there should be no reason this should be a contest. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it seems trite to say, but I think it really does come down to how much offense is San Diego State going to bring to the table. Yeah, we saw what they threw with Johnson back there. Like, he looked like, again, as good as Ryan Lindley has looked in the best quarterback in a decade. Mm-hmm. And I, here's the thing. Even if they don't have Greg Bell and Carson Baker, they should still easily win this game. Like if they've got those guys instead, they should be fine, right? Like so then, so then what's the what's the path where Colorado State wins this game then? Um, did you see? I need to pull up how Steve Adagio compared one of his running backs to Alvin Kamara. Ajon Vivens is, is um is Alvin Kamara going to wear his jersey this weekend? Because he's not getting much touches with the with the Saints right now with Taysom Hill quarterback. That's the only way they can win this game. <laughs> That's no, that's not his fault. That's I, that's Sean Payton being bored. I know. I'm just, but you get my point. Like, 
Blade. <laughs> Temper the hype, Adazio. Come on, don't compare you. I get you want to pump him up, but dude, that's like the best player in the NFL, just about Alvin Kamara. Like he is that good. Um, but the path they could do is Patrick O'Brien's a good quarterback. They have Dante Wright, they have Ty McCall, they have other guys who can catch the ball for this team. But the Aztecs have like the best defense in the conference. I think mm. what it what really comes down to be it comes down to is they got to break through and probably have some big plays to beat this team. And they have the receivers to do that. Like, mm-hmm. it only takes, like, look at San Diego State, Nevada. Dubs had, what, five catches, still had 100 plus yards, 250 yarders. They could break through and make one or two deep, big plays. And O'Brien is throwing ability is probably as good as Carson Strong or very close to it. It's just actual production. So it won't take much for them to get a, big, a few big plays if they can make it happen because there's not going to be many points scored. Because the overrunner is only 47. But to achieve that, they also need to have some sort of running game to show a semblance of balance for the uh, this Rams going up against the Aztecs defense. Yeah, see, I think back to last year's game, and I wonder if Adazio has it in his head where maybe kind of taking the foot off the gas and being more conservative is the best way to go because you, you, know, you want to try and make San Diego State beat you on offense. And to kind of to that point, you know, I was reading an article earlier from Brian Fremo, who is who's the guy who does the FBI rankings that we talk about on the podcast. And he was talking about, you know, some of the things uh, among group of five teams that have done really well. And one of the teams that he brought up in this conversation was San Diego State. So I just wanted to bring this up real quick because I think it, it bears on how I think Colorado State could approach this game, where... Seeing a state, the Aztecs on defense have allowed 31.4% of available yards. And so if you're not familiar with what that means, essentially think about it like this. So imagine, you know, there's a touchback and, you know, a team starts at the 25-yard line, right? You with me so far? Yes. Maybe. So let's say that team gets to midfield and then they, 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 stop, they get stopped, they have to punt. So from the 25 to, the, to midfield is 25 yards. Okay. Gotcha. And, you know, 25 out of 75 total available yards is 33%, yes, right? Yes, one-third. I could do some math. <laughs> Still with me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, one-third. Go ahead. So, basically, San Diego State, to, throughout, you know, through the, all the games they played so far, they're allowing 31.4% of available yards. That's the second-best figure in the country. They're number one in the country in terms of yards per play. 4.09. They're number one in the country as far as first down rate, which over 50%, which the way that Fremo explained it means that they're averaging a forced three and out or worse on nearly every other possession. Hmm. So that's why I think Colorado State might be better served by being more risk averse, taking their chances with trying to win a field position game. Because, you know, even if they stall out, you know, they still have Ryan Stonehouse, one of the best punters anywhere, if not the best punter anywhere in the country. I think they could, if they wanted to, make it a field possession game and and, and basically tell San Diego State to prove it. Because, yeah. you know, even with Greg Bell back, I think it's an open question as to, you know, how effective can they be because Colorado State's got a pretty good front themselves. Like, we haven't talked about it in a couple weeks, but, you know, they've looked pretty good on their defensive front. You know, they've, as a unit, you know, on, on you know, they're still, you know, in the top five as far as sack rate, which I think is maybe the more 
flashy number, but you know we talked about opportunity rate with some of the other teams before, which again is just the ability to get to the second level or not. Um, the Rams are third in the country on defense in that regard, so opponents just haven't been able to get to the second level when it comes to running the football. They're 11th in stuff rate, and they're number one now in terms of line yards per carry. So I think even if San Diego State is, wants to line up and say, okay, fine, we'll, we'll beat you with what we do best, they may find that harder than they suspect because Colorado State's been really good up front. They have, and you're like, this game, like, the way the offense is going, even with the, um, if the starters are back, like they should be for um, San Diego State, the, you're right, they don't need to make huge plays. I was just saying there's a way that possibility to, it's available for them with the players to have. Like, this game mm-hmm. can seriously be, if they hold the ball, because Aztecs aren't explosive offense by any means, really. Um, well, no, well, Greg, but they can get on the ground, but it's uh, through the air. They're not obviously, but they don't make as they don't want, they don't have to be explosive when they rely on defense, run the ball. That's what they do, and defense <clears> makes their big plays, pick six or whatever it may be, like Tariq Thompson making some plays. But I think what you're right, where this could be a game where it could be twenty to thirteen is the victor on either side. Like, yeah, I mean, I think I think Adazio, even with the weapons he has at his disposal with his passing game, I don't think he's going to mind if it becomes a kind of a rock fight. No, because he'll just run the ball and hopefully has Alvin Kamara back there to take the carries. But yeah, and like I said, I think you know the defense has shown enough where you know even despite their the kind of bizarre outcome against Boise State a few weeks ago, that you know with what San Diego State does best, Colorado. They might might just say, "Okay, fine, we'll play it that way. That's fine," because I don't I don't think San Diego State's likely to move down the field in chunk plays, which means if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to put together more than like one or two sustained drives. It also should be noted, um, Hoke is not um, quote not at liberty end quote to name a starting quarterback. Um, of course, he's not. And here's obviously so it is worth noting that Johnson is listed as the quarterback without an OR. He's starting. If he's healthy, he's starting. Yeah. It's like, dude, give us a break. We saw the difference when he's healthy compared to everybody else. You mm-hmm. have a guy back there who the most interesting thing is the dude came from Georgia Tech and never threw the ball. <laughs> That's ironic, right? I know. Dude, look at him just slinging it like it's like you have the guy who can. It's just funny to see. Like, if he's healthy, he's starting. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. It's on Tuesday when Hoke mentioned his call. He's like, I'm at liberty to say anything about that yet. So the answer is, I'm not sure. It's like maybe on Tuesday, but if he's healthy, he's playing. Um, Greg Bell, right ankle, should be back. He says it's improved. It's been improving. Um, but, like, here's the thing in this game. If those two guys are healthy, San Diego State's going to win easily. If those two guys aren't healthy, San Diego State should win okay. It might be a struggle. But because we saw the Colorado game, man, it was an ugly game. And Colorado State is no Colorado, I don't think. We also saw the Nevada game, That's where nice. even with a healthy Greg Bell, and and you know even though Johnson was somewhat limited in the second half, they came back to win that game. And so I think even with a healthy Johnson, even with a healthy Bell, still kind of an open question in my opinion. Hmm. I. What do the advanced numbers say? What do you, what does FEI and SP plus say? Okay, um, so SP plus d- d- does favor the Aztecs by um, a lot more than I would. Um, they favor them by thirteen point nine. That's a seventy nine percent win probability. It's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. What's your prediction then? Give me the Rams. Well, outright. Yeah. What? Remember last time we did this? It didn't go well for you. 
Yeah, well, that, that point that didn't go well because of the most bizarre, possible thing. <laughs> because of the most unlikely thing. I mean, I, honestly, though, I feel like you, if it comes down to a defensive fist fight, then who's got the better offense in this? Game? I think it's Colorado State. I think no, if they can, I think if they if they can mitigate their mistakes, which I think they can do by taking the ball out of O'Brien's hands and just you know playing a limited possession game and really leaning on their running game, Marcus McElroy and Vivens. You know, even if they manage only two scoring drives, I think against what we've seen from this Aztecs offense, that might be enough. So I would say smash the under. You know, take take the points. What is it, seven and a half at this point? It's eight right now, what I see here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to take the Rams to win 14 to 10. What? 14 to 10? Yes. Okay. That's um, you're, You can take that pick all you want. I. Okay. I'm assuming you disagree. I'm going to go see I'm disagreeing. Yes. As you could tell by my words, I'm trying to attempt to get there out there. Aztecs will win, but I think it'll be like, I'm going to go. I think I put the Rams to cover on our dock. I need to check if I have it, but I'm going to go 20 to 13 San Diego state. All right. We're a close game where either, either, either team can win. So next game, the game of the week, right? Is this what we got? Fresno, Nevada. Yeah, it's, it's close to what we got. Yeah, uh, we're you know sell, sell the game, Matt. Come on. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting games this week. Let's put it that way. There are, yes, correct. Uh, at Nevada, uh, it's a uh, what seven thirty uh, Pacific kick time. FS1. Nevada is a Matt seven point favorite. How do you feel about that for your dogs being a underdog by a touchdown to the uh, pack? Interesting. I thought it would have been closer. Me too. Fresno hasn't played what three weeks. When's the last time you've seen them on the field? They've been. On the belt, uh, I belt believe it was somewhere. the Utah State game. Thirty-five, sixteen. You're right. Um, it's a game that um, caused a lot of trouble in Aggieland afterwards. Uh, so we, we, you know, what's funny? Our buddy uh, Matt Wadley did a piece like, "Who's the player of the year that's not a quarterback?" So he put Ronnie Rivers versus Romeo Dubs, and of course, Dubs mm-hmm. didn't show up at the next game. I assume you would lean toward Ronnie Rivers, right? I mean, I think I've said this before. There's very convincing arguments for both guys, but I think Decide. with regards to his his standing within the offense, that I think Rivers ultimately means a little bit more to Fresno State's offense than Daubs does to Nevada, because you know we've seen Nevada be able to spread the ball around. You know, they they have guys like Melquan Stovall. They got you know Cole Turner at tight end. They've got a pair of running backs that they can on and, and feel pretty good about it. And while that's not to say that Fresno State isn't without its own weapons, I think that you know, Rivers' ability to do a little bit of everything with regards to like contributing on special teams, contributing in the passing game, and then also just being their lead back means a little bit more. And especially in this game against Nevada, where last I checked, um, Dom Peterson's status still up in the air. Correct. His ankle, he left in what the first half of the last game. So that's I think it. it was in the, I think it was in the second half, but oh. either way... He missed a lot of I game. haven't heard anything about his status at this point. And so, like, if if he is hobbled or if he misses this game, that is, in my opinion, based off of what we saw in the second half against Hawaii, a potentially huge advantage for the Bulldogs' offense. Where, you know, that side of the ball has not necessarily been a problem for them, you know, all that much this year. They can move the ball, I think, against a Nevada front where. That's not to say they don't have playmakers up front, but I think when you take Peterson out of that equation, it just makes that task a lot harder than it would otherwise be. It is. Like, yeah, he is a big, big force 
big dude <laughs> for the defense. Mm-hmm. But you're right, too, like like we mentioned the dubs thing, like they nearly beat Hawaii with him having one catch for ten yards. Yeah. So I mean I mean he's still yeah. listed atop the depth chart, but I think like I said, if he doesn't play, like we we've seen Sam Hammond be able to take over for stretches. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Cam Toomer be able to make plays as well. It's just gonna put more pressure on those guys to be disruptive. And especially you know, for an offense that's content to not necessarily lean on one guy, you know, Rivers, like I said, can run the ball or can catch it out of the backfield, or they can go downfield to any number of guys. You know, last we saw Jalen Copper, he was still running away from the Utah State secondary. You know, they're going to have to be ready for just about everything. And I think without Peterson, if, if Hain, Jake Hayner, the Fresno State quarterback, has time to sit back and scan the field, he can do some damage against this defense in the same way that Siobhan Cordero did last week. Oh, I agree, agree. This game has potential for a lot of points. Like, damage can be done yes. either way. Like, this is, for the points, like I mentioned Hawaii San Jose State being lots of points, this could be a lot more. Over-under is about the same at 59. But like, look what, um, like, Carson Strong, really good. Um, oh, shoot. <laughs> First, I was a play in the month. What's their quarterback's name? Jake Hayner, right? Jake Hayner. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, he hasn't played in forever. But, like, He's proved himself basically every game to get better. Like, Cordero, like, we look what Nevada's defense has given up. Like, Lucas Johnson lit them up in the first half, like, for not deep plays, but he was accurate. And so the way Fresno does pass the ball around, who do they get it to? Rivers running the ball or passing? They can't – basically, they can't – what I'm saying is they can't pull Hawaii and drop eight guys or blitz eight guys every time. Like, Mm -hmm. they throw the ball like uh, Jalen Cropper, who's really good – Carrick Wheatfall. They have four guys with ten catches or more, and that includes Ronnie Rivers, and Eric Brooks has nine. So they throw the yeah. ball to a lot of – and that's only through where they played four games, all right? Is that what Fresno's played? Mm-hmm. So, like, these guys yeah. are getting over – basically five guys are getting over two catches a game, even more. Like, Cropper had that 200-yard game recently and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Nevada can't just focus on one guy. This will be a team effort. Like, And that's why you're right. Peterson could be a big thing if he can't – go and pancake a center or a guard and sit on Jake Hayner for a sack, that could be the biggest – he might be the most important player in this game if he's not playing. Mm-hmm. And But I, even if he doesn't play, like he while, while he's that important, there's still going to be a lot of points. The reason I say he's important, like he only had in that San Diego State game, what, three tackles and two sacks? But those two sacks were like two of the most important plays of the game just about. Like one mm-hmm. forced him to punt – Essex to punt the ball deep in their own end zone. Yeah. And while that's a concern, like, my, you get my point. Like, if he's there, he's a force. He'll make a lot of disrupt, disruption. If he's not, it'll allow Fresno, Hayner, Rivers, um, Crop, or whoever else to make bigger plays than they may have been able to. Yeah. And, in, you know, one of the other things, maybe kind of turning to Nevada's offense versus the Bulldogs' defense for a moment, is uh, it's not how I would have framed it, but, you know, the, the Fresno B put out an article earlier this week. Where they were te- they were kind of taking a close look at Carson Strong in particular, and more or less answering the question: How real are his numbers? Come on, they're trying to Be- smoke. Because when I mean, but, but consider who he has played by and large this year. True. Okay, they've played Hawaii. They, mm-hmm. um, I don't know the schedule in front of me. Who else they got here? Sorry, they played. They played every. So game. they played. They played New Mexico. Okay. They played San Diego State. Oh, they played Wyoming. They played what they. Did they play Wyoming? Yeah, 37-34. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. <laughs> and then they played uh, Utah State. Where he had 420 yards against Wyoming. Come on, Fresno B, do better. <laughs> so, 
and and but that's not necessarily the frame I would have taken. I think one thing that's maybe gone a little bit overlooked is, you know, how well is the Nevada offensive line going to withstand this Fresno State pass rush? Mm-hmm. Because I think you could make a pretty solid case that they passed their first big test against the Aztecs. They didn't give up any sacks in that game. But Fresno State's been better. And again, small sample caveat supply, but just in terms of overall sack rate, you know, right now, number two in the country, 12.8%. There's really no splits between standard downs and passing downs. They've just been ferocious when it comes to taking down the quarterback, you know, no matter the situation. And so I think if Nevada wants to come out and try and reestablish what they weren't able to do last week, you know, they're going to need to give Carson Strong time to let those plays develop, which means the guys up front, for, for as I would say, as good as they've been this year, you know, it's going to be a challenge for them because, again, it's not necessarily one guy you can focus on. For Fresno State, it's really been kind of a team effort. Like one week it's Kwame Jones, another week it's David Perales, you know, another week it's Kevin Atkins in the middle. And so they've been able to kind of build that pass rush as a team, which coming into the year was kind of their biggest hindrance. And so, you know, if Nevada can can hold up and give strong time to make plays – I still think they can make some. I still think they can make some noise. I still think they'll be able to move the ball. It's, I think, you know, as as true as it is to say that this might be the best pass rush that Nevada has faced all year long. It's also true to say that this is probably the best passing attack that Fresno State has placed faced all year long too. And so mm-hmm. that's one of those things where it's hard to say that one team has the advantage over the other. But absolutely, whichever team wins that matchup is going to have the upper hand in this game. So who does have the upper matchup, upper hand in that matchup? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Last one with the ball wins. I don't know. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be a fun game. This is gonna be exciting. It will be. Like, let's just say, Spurs' secondary is not doesn't contain as well as Hawaii did. We have Dubs going deep down the field. We have Rivers going for 200 combined rushing and receiving yards in this game. These are arguably the two best quarterbacks in the conference where they might be able to combine for at least 700 yards in this game. Like, I mean, let's let's put it this way. I don't think they come out and try and do what Hawaii did last week, dropping eight in the coverage. No, their defense but is I think, too good. But I think they'd be more than happy to say, okay, we'll rush four and see what you can do and then go from there. Yeah, like they no need to really blitz unless they want to do it. Yeah. I Like, the Nevada loss last week was just – it was, it was, again, it was out coaching. I don't think it was a talent thing because Carson Strong was still efficient. They still scored points. They nearly came back. Defense did fine. Mm. It was more of, a, again, a scheme and coaching thing. And I bet Kalen DeBoer will kind of take from some of that. Like you mentioned, they may not just drop eight guys, but they may play their base defense and never blitz and not have to worry well, about it. If they can get to the quarterback, they get to the quarterback. But I would I would also say that as of right now, I'm not totally sure that the, that the Bulldogs have a cornerback of the caliber of Cortez Davis. True. And it seemed like the Warriors were happy to kind of let him line up with Dobbs one-on-one. And even though that wasn't like an exclusive one-on-one matchup, you know, Davis did a huge job as far as, you know, limiting his exposure, limiting his ability to get open. And so there's, you know, Dobbs obviously is going to be the focal point of this offense, and so it's going to be up to Braylon Lux and Wylan Free, whoever ends up seeing most of the time opposite him, to be able to hold up in a way that you know even guys like Darren Hall weren't always able to. All right, what's the uh, advantage numbers say? All right, so SP Plus likes Nevada. 
They like them by 9.6. That's a 71% win probability. Wow, that seems high. It is a little high. I... Here's the thing. Like, we haven't seen Fresno play in a while. And <clears throat> if I'm correct, none of it was their issues for COVID, right? Was it opposing teams? For Fresno? Yeah. No, they have had COVID. Okay, I, think they, I think they still have some players who are in quarantine and are probably going to be unavailable for this game. Okay, that's right. It's San Jose State, right? We're joking. The Stanford thing. That's right. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, that makes a little different. Uh, I just I want it to be a full strength game because this is a really good game. And it also, the tiebreaker thing is the loser probably out of the championship game running in this one? Yes. Okay. Um, I, oh, man. I don't know who I'm going to pick. It's a seven point line. I want to say. Fresno because I think they can do more offensively. If the, because we saw, not that not that Nevada is one dimensional versus Hawaii, but they couldn't do their thing if they were shut down in one category. And by shut down, I mean big plays. Like again, Strong was efficient but not explosive or getting yardage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Fresno with the upset in this one. Okay, I think it'll be. I'll go 38-35 Fresno State. Yeah, I was going to say smash the over, no matter what you, you get do. 59, folks. <laughs> um, I'm going to take the Bulldogs, too. Oh, boy. I think it's going to be a track meet, especially if Peterson doesn't play. Yeah, that'll give them more time to throw the ball at Hainer and everything. And I think it might honestly come down to whichever team can force a turnover, which you know, neither of these teams has really kind of stood out in that regard. So it Maybe it's, it strikes me as the kind of game where an unlikely hero like a like a Burdale Robbins or a or Deontay Perry could step up and really make the game changing play, but again, kind of a big if. Um, but I I like Fresno's balanced offense as a, as a way to kind of keep the wolf back off balance. So I'm gonna say what was what was your score? Thirty eight thirty five. I'm gonna go a little higher than that. I'm gonna say forty two to forty. Oh boy, that'd be nice too. I like that. All right, final game of the day, 7.30 Pacific, because this is the Pacific time zone. ESPN has incorrectly at uh, Dream Style. Wyoming versus New Mexico at Sam Boyd Stadium, CBS Sports Network. This line seems a bit high, but it's not high, 17.5 points. Over-under seems ridiculous at 52.5, first of all. That seems way too high. Think so? Who's going to score enough points? No, I mean, let's not forget Wyoming scored 45 last week. I know. I don't think New Mexico can make up the rest. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. All right. They, okay. I'm not wrong. Hawaii has scored their fewest points were 31. Oh, no, sorry. 24 versus CSU. But um, New Mexico doesn't. Their starting quarterback is not. Tabaki Toyota is likely not going to play. Trey Hall may not play. So he could potentially be down to a third string quarterback. Connor Ginnell. He's gonna, is that official? Or is that I kind of saw Gonzalez mention? I think I think that's the likely scenario. I don't think anybody said that that's going to be a hundred percent. He is listed with an or with Tuioti. I think it mostly depends on how well Tuioti kind of progresses through co- uh, concussion protocols. I would I would guess that we'll probably see uh, Gettle though. Yeah. Um, also, it should be noted Xavier Valdez recovering from was it the ankle injury he saw he had the other day. Uh, yeah, I believe so. However, who was it? Trey Hall last week who just, oh, I'm good. I could take up what he does, right? <laughs> I'll Trey Hall, Trey Hall and Trey Smith and friends. Oh, sorry, Trey Smith. Yes. hundred, what, 160 yards last week. I think it was, um, mm-hmm. running games not going to be an issue. Danny Gonzalez is really pissed and he wants to win. 
Coach, it's not coming this week. I'm sorry. Sorry, Roger. Sorry, Coach Gonzalez. Sorry, Rocky Long. You get blown out by Utah State. Like maybe maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe the over under will be just the over will be taken by Hawaii and they score fifty three points in a shutout to get the over and cover. I mean, I think if you're if you're looking for any difference between UNLV and New Mexico, I think you could make a case that the that the Lobos might be better equipped to defend the run, just because you know we talked about it in the in the recap podcast about how UNLV is just like super young and inexperienced everywhere, mm-hmm. and New Mexico. They, which isn't to say that they've been great defending the run, but they do have some playmakers up front. You know, like Joey Noble is a guy who very quietly has had a pretty productive year. Um, you know, Jake Saltonstall has had some some nice plays here and there, and so yeah, I think it's mostly kind of about limiting the damage. Like they they basically can't give up a, the, the same number of ten yard runs that, that UNLV did last week, and I think that. You know, the, if not necessarily the guys up front in the trenches, you know, a guy like Brandon Shook could be in line for another big game, you know, racking up tra- tackles and trying to limit Wyoming from getting to the second level. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think that, you know, starting on defense and, and looking at their ability to defend the run, I think New Mexico might be a little bit better at it. But again, that's no guarantee. You're right. And like, if Valdez back there or not, whoever, it's like, do you, I don't do you expect another once in a uh, or career day by a backup running back again? It's like maybe it's all adrenaline. He's like, oh, I'm trading. I'm, I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to do all my stuff. But playing a bad like you might be right, but it's like my point being like it's a hey, your next guy up. You're getting your carries finally. And Trey Smith does this, 164 yards, career. I believe a career high most likely. Like he's been there for like five, one, two, three, four. He's a fifth year senior who hasn't had a ton mm-hmm. of playing time in his career. And so, like, having that type of game where before he had 89 versus Hawaii, it's like he scored a couple of touchdowns, he has PT, but it's it could be a thing where it's just more adrenaline, get in there and play and get the yards. So mm-hmm. maybe that's how another way New Mexico's defense a touch better. And he's out there going, okay, I'm preparing for the week, which is a good thing. There's also a thing to be said where you just hop off and go, hey, you go, go get the ball and go play. So that's – where I could see the rushing offense not as efficient. Valade is not going to play. Also, really quick, um, the quarterback situation. Backup, it looks like because neither Hall or Tuodi practice on Tuesday. And it's actually, just so you know, it's Janal because they have a pronouncer. Oh, Janal. Janal. Excuse have, me. They have a pronouncer here in the Albuquerque Journal. But they, backing up him is a true freshman. So good luck with that on this game. It's going to be Isaiah Chavez as, the, as his backup who – played high school football in Mexico last year. So there's an issue mm-hmm. as well. If the Wyoming defense gets to gets the quarterback, they're going to be starting some inexperienced stuff. Like, yeah, and I mean, yeah, and the other thing to keep in mind too is, you know, interestingly, even though New Mexico's kind of had a rough go of it on the defensive side of the ball, keep in mind that they're still third in the conference right now as far as total takeaways on defense. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with their ability to strip the ball. You know, We talked about it a little bit ago with Air Force, how they had three straight drives where they forced a fumble and recovered it. That's something else to keep an eye on, too, because we know Wyoming is going to come out and do that. They don't necessarily want to lean on Levi Williams to throw the ball any more than they, than they have to. Maybe 15 at most. But that's something that you could say, if it's, I mean, I don't know if it's accurate to define it as a strength 
but it's definitely a trait that New Mexico has been able to flash as far as their ability to, to punch the ball out and, and make things happen. And while, you know, fumble luck, I guess you could say, has been in their favor as a result, you know, you still got to create those opportunities. And, and through five games, the Lobos have been able to do that. So that's something else to be mindful of, too. But are we really giving New Mexico a chance to win this game? Come on. I mean... I know we're being. I nice. mean, I don't want to write them totally off. I just because you know the other thing too is that you know Wyoming's also going to be missing some components from both sides as well. You know, Cole Godbout and Gunnar Gentry, uh, both out for this game with regards to uh, uh, contact tracing, I believe, was the word. And so you know that's one less playmaker up front for the Cowboys' defensive line. You know, that's one less playmaker for uh, for Williams to be able to throw to if they need to. So I mean I'm not going to say that I mean I, I do feel like New Mexico is going to have a hard time of keeping it competitive. Yeah. But you know there are some avenues where like if Wyoming comes out slow, you, we've seen New Mexico make some noise in the past. It's just that they've kind of regressed on offense over the past couple of weeks. And unless they can turn that around, I think that's ultimately what's going to kind of keep them from being competitive in this game too. I just don't think it being close. <laughs> That's my problem. Like the 17 and a half points is a lot. And when I was doing my pick, I didn't, I, I guess I haven't seen one. I mean, besides last week, like, Oh, I scored 45 points. It's just UNLV, but they've been scoring pretty good. The CSU game's kind of anomaly, but like if the Mexico is going to Mexico, if the Mex, excuse me, the Mexico, that team over there, Lobos, if they're going to win, it's going to be because Wyoming just doesn't play well. I honestly don't think there's a thing. The Mexico does better than Wyoming does. I like, they don't have a better running back. Their quarterback situation is uh, uh, um, dismantled by injuries. The defense clear is not better. Like they don't have anything better. Like they do. They literally don't do anything better than Wyoming does. And there's no way you could take them to win the Lobos. Like there's Brits. That's and that's, some, that's some Tyson Dyer ratio right there. Why am I saying? Am I wrong? They they punt better than Wyoming does. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I know. I'm just. Is that what you want though from your team? We punt better than you guys. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You said they don't do anything better, and they do. I apologize. They do at least one thing better. Okay. I would say they do one. Thing. I mean, I'm like I said. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty, um, but you know, it would not surprise me. You know, if it's a little closer, at least for you know a half, in the same way that it was last week against Utah State, and in past games where they were at least able to hang around a little bit with Air Force and with San Jose State. You know, like it, it's not like they were getting blown out. Like forty to nothing. Let's put it that way. Well, last week was at forty-one twenty something. They were leading at halftime. They though, were. It was. Not, it was not until the middle of the third quarter where Utah State got those three straight touchdowns. So and so and so there, there's a path there. I'm not saying it's an easy path or or like that, but it's there. I I, I see your point there. I think it'll be like a slow burn where it'll be because Wyoming's offense, like if they're just gonna run the ball a lot and not pass a lot, it'll take it takes time to score points if you're running the ball if the clock's moving. Mm-hmm. So there's that, but I think part of it it's a depth issue for New Mexico. It's a lot of things. They're they're in loss. They're I I like I feel bad for them because they're in a very difficult situation. It's not just because new coach, key players injured. You're in Las Vegas. You're not at your own place. Like that's also hard to like mentally and physically to draining to be doing this all year long. Essentially, the six or eight weeks, however long they're going to be in Vegas or yeah, are, are, it's just it's just a tough thing in general. It's like okay. You're in school. You're the only few people on campus. You can't really go do anything. 
Now let's put you in a new city where you're not even in your own bed or anything comfort-wise. Like, yeah, you probably bring your game system, your pillows, and probably some blankets just so you have some comfort or familiarity. But, like, you're in a different city. You just practice and do school online, which you probably would have been doing anyways. It's just uh, mentally draining and taxing. And they honestly... I know that's probably why Danny Gonzalez is so pissed all the time because we they keep losing, they're not playing up to his standards, and you're just you're not at home. That's like the NBA bubble. Guys won the titles like, thank goodness we're out of here. I don't care if we won the title or not. We're done. I'm going home. I want to <laughs> sleep my own bed. I'm like, that's part of it too, and that's why they're not unfortunately probably not gonna win a game all year, and they're probably not gonna be extremely close to this Wyoming game. Like, so let's go to the picks. What do the advanced numbers say so we can wrap this up here? Okay, so SP plus, as you might expect, favors the Cowboys by fourteen point four. That's an eighty percent win probability. So, what's your pick? I mean, I think Wyoming will end up winning this one pretty comfortably. I don't know if they're going to run away with it in the same way that um, that they did last week against UNLV. I, and I think that's mostly by virtue of the fact that I think New Mexico is just a better team than UNLV right now. Yeah, I can but I would I would still take them to cover. It's seventeen and a half, right? Yes, it is. I was on the fence of that. I'm not sure yet. But I, th- but I think it'll be a pretty slim cover. I'm going to say 35 to 14. I'm going to go a touch slower. Was it So it's 17 and a half, is that correct? I believe so, yes. Okay. I, oh, man, I was going to say 30 to 13 because that's not covering. No, I'll do that because I – yeah, I'll go 30 to 13 if they don't cover because that's what I put on my Google Docs. So it'll be just a half a point difference there. Okay, but it's like a game where it's it'll be in hand, but it's not like something to keep an eye on. Like, oh, it's within ten points or whatever. It'll be like I could think of this game being maybe similar to the San Jose State UNLV game where New Mexico's hanging around, hanging around, and Wyoming scores like two touchdowns really quick, and that's basically the game. Mm-hmm. I could be like that because you make a good point, reminding me that in the first half of all these games, the Lobos are close, and then but it just kind of slowly gets away from them. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, anything else we need to add or we get through all the games? Are we good to uh, say goodbye to everybody? I think we're all set. All right, so we're at an hour, 22 minutes. You're welcome. Hopefully you enjoyed it. But that wraps up our week uh, 14 preview. We'll be back on a Sunday afternoon or evening or whenever you listen to this because we're not live. It's a podcast, people. So MWR.com, check us out, subscribe, let people know if you enjoy the show. Or if you don't, just say, hey, I gave it a try. Was it for me? But tell a couple of friends so they can at least try it out, and we make up for the misdownload if you turn us away. I'm just giving all the options, Matt. That's all I got. So that's that's reasonable. It's reasonable. We'll be back next time, and we'll see um, how our picks do. And just uh, and also any updates, cancellations, postponements, we'll be on that track as well. And we'll see you next time.